It's Alum Group's Andrea Lay, Packview's Melissa Burdick, special guest Jackie Donowski from Flywheel, and I'm PVSB, also from Flywheel. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 13th, and it's time for the Fresh Four. Four curated news stories from the past week. We find them polyhistorically intriguing. We hope you do too. They're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence and news. Retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Jackie, kick us off, would you? Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect to bring closed-loop attribution to streaming advertisers. Well, hello there, Fresh Boy listeners. Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect have solidified an agreement to bring the retailer's industry-leading audience solutions and measurement to Disney's addressable streaming inventory. The collaboration will enable enhanced audience targeting and outcome-based measurements for brand campaigns across Disney's streaming portfolio, including Hulu and Disney+. Connecting Walmart's customer insights with Disney's proprietary audience graph will help advertisers reach their desired audiences and measure the impact of their campaigns through closed-loop attribution. Thanks, Jackie. Andrea, over to you. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. NBC Universal and Instacart link up to bring retail media opportunities to TV. NBC Universal and Instacart are expanding their existing partnership to include a new retail media workstream that will enable Instacart's CPG advertisers to connect with consumers via NBC Universal's streaming and linear television content. In late 2023, the companies teamed up to include access to NBC Universal's streaming platform Peacock as part of the Instacart Plus membership package. Now, with this new first-party data collaboration, advertisers will be able to reach consumers through NBC Universal's content and measure the impact of their campaigns by leveraging ad exposure and purchase data from Instacart. Thank you, Andrea. Melissa, what do you have for us? Amazon has announced a new country that they're opening up. Amazon has announced that it will launch a new dedicated website for Ireland in 2025. Currently, most Irish customers use Amazon sites based in the UK or other European countries. The company said the Irish site will mean that users will be able to avoid additional customs charges and currency conversion fees, and it will also lead to faster delivery and returns for many items. All right, over to you, Peter. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our hosts, Sri Raj Gopalan, Peter V.S. Bond, and Brian Gildenberg, explore how brands and retailers engage consumers in an increasingly digitally driven world. And now, here are the CPG Guys. Hello and welcome to the CPG Guys podcast, where we explore the omni-channel digital journey of brands and retailers. I'm your co-host, PVSB. Uh, I'm joined today by my dear friend, my best friend, uh, Shri, and co-founder of this podcast. Uh, if you don't already do it, you might want to check out Shri's two talented daughters. His elder daughter, Rhea, is a music artist in her own right. Uh, she can be found at riaraj.com. There's a link in the digital liner notes to the podcast. And his younger daughter is now competing in Dream Academy, which is a K-pop band competition. And she's in the final, so she has a very good chance of being part of the new global uh, K-pop band sensation. So really excited about that. 
But before we get to our great guest today, and Shri and I are both excited to speak with him because he uh, his DNA is very much akin to ours, given the company he works for and the industry he's in. I do want to remind everyone to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Uh, if you use Apple or Spotify, please, please, please actually go scroll down and give us a star rating. Why? Do it because it helps feed the algorithm and it makes our podcast more findable. And after you do that, if you want to click the review, you can tell us what you think about the podcast, what you like, what you don't like, uh, who you want us to have on, what you want us to talk about. We want this podcast to be reflective of the interests of the people that follow us and your opinions are very valuable. We also want to express how very honored we are to have been rated the number one CPG podcast for two years running, at least according to Feedspot, the leading podcast ranking authority. And joining us on the list of top 30 are our sister podcasts, CPG Scoop, CPG Guys Fast Forward with Brian Gildenberg, and of course, the FMCG Guys. Lastly, I just want to make a mention that we are Incredibly honored to be formal sponsors of Next Up, formerly known as Network of Executive Women, whose mission it is to advance all women in business. We give away uh, memberships that are afforded to us as being sponsors. So if you work for an organization that isn't part of Next Up, why don't you give us an email, drop us an email at contactcpgguys.com and learn more about the educational resources and the networking capabilities, this fantastic organization has to offer. Maybe we can offer you one of our memberships. Links to our podcast, our sister podcast, our landing page on Next Up, all those can be found in the digital liner notes of this episode. So let's get to our conversation. We have a great guest today. is none other than Chad Matthews, the Chief Commercial Officer of PepsiCo Beverages North America. He assumed the role in February of 22 and is a 24-year veteran of PepsiCo with strong leadership across the company's North America food and beverage businesses. In his current role leading the commercial function, Chad is responsible for enterprise customer development, commercialization, revenue growth management, allied partner development, national go-to-market, and industrial relations. It's a lot of responsibilities. Prior to that, Chad served as Senior Vice President and General Manager, leading overall business and performance management for PepsiCo's beverage business in 13 states across the central U.S. Since joining PepsiCo in 1998, Chad has held several leadership roles, including Senior Vice President of Frito-Lay's National Account, Vice President of Frito-Lay's Commercial Organization, and VP of Frito-Lay's North American Mountain Region. Please join Sri and me in welcoming to the podcast the Chief Commercial Officer of PepsiCo Beverages North America, Chad Matthews. Hey, Chad, how you doing? Hey, good. Great. Thanks for having me. We are so excited to talk to you. You know, I've talked to you before the beginning of the conversation. You know that Sri and I have some history. Sri worked at PepsiCo for quite a number of years, and, and I worked on site at PepsiCo for IRI. So anytime we have a chance to talk liquid refreshing beverages with someone who uh, has as much experience as you is definitely well worth the while. And you've got your head to the heartbeat of what the industry is going, so can't wait to hear about everything that is transpiring. Hey, before we get to the question, Shri and I have prepared for us, would you give us a brief description of what your role is as CCO of the beverage unit of PepsiCo? Yeah, sure. You actually described it pretty well up front, but um, I do have responsibility of a retail business focused on our national customers. And I also lead our revenue growth management, which that encompasses the pricing, promotions, price back architecture, and building new capabilities with AI. Um, I also run our commercial and marketing activation that gives the tools and enablers to our field teams to execute against. 
and then also lead our distribution partnerships. So think of, you know, partnerships that we distribute on our trucks that we might not own, as an example, would be Dr. Pepper. And then, you know, our, also I have responsibility for industry relations that represents our industry events across PepsiCo and also focuses on building our multicultural efforts across the country. So fun job. I love it. Uh, you're in the middle of everything, which just makes it so much fun. Thanks for that overview, Chad. Uh, in the digital liner notes of this episode to our audience, so we know like 92% of you listen on your mobile device, just toggle over. You're going to find links to Chad's LinkedIn profile, Pepsco's LinkedIn page, and of course, the corporate website as well, so that you can follow along, learn while you listen to the melodious tones of our conversation. I'm sure they'll be. Or we'll try to make them melodious. I won't try to sing, but I'll try to maybe I'll speak in iambic pentameter or something like that. So thank you, Chad. Why don't we get to the questions we've prepared for you. Your career spans two and a half decades in selling at PepsiCo, from key account manager all the way up to account leadership to regional SVP and now CCO. Would love to hear from you a synopsis of your career journey and some of the pivotal roles that really built out the skill sets that you found to be invaluable in leading the organization. Yeah, sure. I mean, first of all, I feel fortunate to be at PepsiCo for 24 plus years, it's definitely been a journey. You know, when I think about some of the lessons I've learned, I really put them in kind of three buckets. Early on in my career, I learned it's really not about you. It's about supporting and growing others around you. You have to have that mindset of removing barriers and obstacles and just letting your team run. I think second of all, you know, just cutting through the clutter and focusing on what matters most. You know, you find in different roles, there's just a lot of noise and busy work that's out there. And you just have to simplify the complexities and take the risks. And when I say risks, you know, calculator risks on the most meaningful activities and you'll accelerate your business or your objectives. And then, I don't know, I think third, it's really just don't settle for the status quo. You know, another thing I learned quickly going into every role with more of a transformational lens, if you get the kind of the right processes in place to make sure the foundation is set and secured, then you take on that new thinking, new ways of working, you know, leverage new tools or technology really to take the business to another level. If that's structure, if that's other new big ideas, if that's, you know, change and go to market, you know, you have to find the new ways to find that what I call white space that might not have been done before to, you know, take the business to the next level. And, then, you know, I think just over time, what helped shape me, these are real simple principles, but I've just always been curious. And I'd encourage other people to be curious, not only internally about your business, but also externally. There's a lot of great insights and there's a lot of great periodicals that you can get more informed about other businesses and other environments that are out there and, you know, potentially apply it to your own. Also, just I think I've always just done the right things, even if it's not the popular choice. And sometimes that's hard to do, but you have to do it. And I think it pays dividends in the long run. Uh, I think authenticity wins. When it comes to who you are, never change who you are. And I think people see that and it builds you know, trust and respect along the way. I've always had a mentality to just play offense and you know, go after things in a more aggressive way. And then finally, just have fun. I think when you're having more fun and what you're doing, you usually get a better outcome at the end of the day. Thank you so much for that, Chad. And it's a pleasure to have you here on the CPG guys and meet you on video as well. So I'm going to jump to question two over here. So um, no successful leader really delivers plans and goals without successful talent surrounding them. And I'd love to hear from you and inspire audience on what you look for in good talent 
And how do you personally spot good talent and how do you mentor them through their career journey? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Shri. I think it starts with your people first. I look for great leadership. And, you know, I look for that leadership with examples of building great teams, developing talent. Um, I look for examples within leadership of inspiring others through passion and perseverance. There's a lot of times that are good and there's a lot of times that aren't. And then I also look for that leadership of just being inclusive and respectful. And I think, you know, being a great leader, it just starts with understanding, you know, some of those qualities to be successful, probably in PepsiCo or really any other company. Also, within successful leaders, it's really the agility uh, that I look for. Just being able to lead change. Change is a constant now. There's no such thing as the world's going to stay the same. And, and it gets just more volatile as uh, every year goes by. So just that, you know, being able to adapt the approach and the style in different environments is important. And probably the last thing is just the thinking, the thought leadership, being able to think strategically and creatively that promotes taking calculated risks. I talked about risks in one of my previous answers, and it's really important to me because I think if you're, if you're not willing to take risks, you're really probably not going to move the agenda forward. And it's okay to fail. It's going to happen. But I think if you take those risks and if something doesn't work out, you learn from it and you move on and you, you keep taking those risks. Because I think more times than not, I think those are going to move the business forward more times than not. And Chad, I'd love to get your perspective on the word curiosity. You know, if there's anything we've learned in the last three years, stretching way outside and above one's domain, for example, those of us in the selling side of the equation We've had to learn supply chain all the way out. Sometimes I feel like I have a PhD in supply chain now. But that said, Chad, we believe you're in another great leader who came on the show here, talked about the importance of curiosity. We'd love to get your take on how you view curiosity as an important character trait. Oh, it's very important. I think you hit it right on, Shree. You know, I'm on a lot of calls where the specific content might not be in my specific space. You find sometimes people might check out a little bit. They're doing you know, some email on the side or something else. But the level of curiosity that you want is you, you want to sit there and be engaged. You want to learn about those other spaces because you know this day and age, it's all end to end. And if you're not curious about the other spaces that might not be in your direct responsibility, that's a big miss. Uh, it's a big miss because it's all connected now. And as you mentioned, Shree, through covid Supply chain expertise uh, was critical. And even going forward, there's a lot of other areas that I would tell you when you connect it end to end with the customer or the end consumer, you need to be curious in those other spaces and learn them in depth because it's all applicable now, where I would say in the past, it, it might not have been as applicable. Um, and then I mentioned before, just the curiosity, even externally, outside of the scope of you know, my company, PepsiCo of learning about other companies, learning through an external lens and periodicals and other streams of information to have that curiosity, because there's a lot of things that are applicable that you can learn and apply to your business, which I think is important. Curiosity. Could not agree more, Chad. That is absolutely how I think it. It's not just about your industry. It's about the world in general, how things operate, because you can always glean something incredibly important for your business from observing what else is going on in the world. So let's talk about what's going on in the world. 2023 is very different than 2022, 2021, and certainly 2020. Last year, uh, we were pretty rampant with inflation. We were still 
under the influence of significant supply chain challenges, a lot of food and beverage consumption seems to have slowed down to some degree. What are your thoughts on what's going on? How do you adapt and deliver for the organization and your retail partners and ultimately for the consumer based upon, to your point, all of this change? What is it that keeps PepsiCo and particularly the unit you have beverages making sure that you are relevant and valued by the consumers that buy your products? Yeah, that's a great question. The environment is definitely changing and is changing rapidly. And I'll tell you first, we're always consumer-centric in our approach. However, this is at the forefront of everything we do, as we've seen some softness with our retailers and with our business in general, with the categories, uh, not only across beverages, but also across foods. So we leverage a lot of data and insights on the consumer to make sure we have what they want when they want it. And we have a proprietary database, it's called PepBiz, that we leverage along with our customer data to make sure we're adapting to those changes and those consumer preferences. I'd also say, probably from a marketing perspective, we're leaning in on building our brand stronger than ever before. It, it can't, it's always important, but it's just even more important today. And you know, this is inclusive of bringing innovation that captures the newness and excitement in the categories that we play in. It's critical right now. Then I tell you value, it continues to be top of mind for our retailers and our consumers, particularly in this environment. So we're looking at new ways to engage the consumer through a multitude of levers, including you know, value beyond price. And then I'd say probably finally, I'd say execution is at an all-time high. You know, we have to deliver against the expectations to have our products front and center with the consumer. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'm talking about 100% fill rates on the shelf. I'm talking about 100% execution of the programs uh, that we put in place with our retail partners to have that availability and visibility when the consumer wants it. Chad, um, I want to say congratulations on PepVis. Back in November, we had, for Women's Month, we had Kate Conner, SVP from the Demand Accelerator, who did talk to us about PepVis and its importance to PepsiCo. And congratulations on being a first in the industry to actually have that database. To me, that defines curiosity. PepsiCo has always been one of those that has been a leader in the space and defining curiosity and wanting to create new things. And indeed, PepVis is one of those. And that very topic is the next area I'd like to go to with is innovation. Pepsi obviously has been one of the maestros of innovation over decades, not just yesterday or not just for the future. Over COVID, needless to say, innovation slowed down across the board in the CPG industry. How are you thinking about innovation as the lifeline of beverages in the industry? And then how are you personally championing it at PBNA? Yeah, like I mentioned, innovation, it's just so important to PepsiCo. And I tell you, it's at the center of everything we do. It can start with the product, however, it extends in every touch point of the consumer journey. And, you know, whether that be omni-channel shopping experiences, innovative marketing campaigns and activations we launch for our consumers. So if I just anchor in our product innovation for a minute, every year we have the responsibility to lead with innovation, to keep the categories vibrant and to meet the consumer needs. And you know, we have some great innovation that I'm so excited about to launch in 2024. And just to highlight just a couple, Gatorade water. It's the first Gatorade unflavored water that's infused with electrolytes that supports all day hydration, which we're extremely excited about. We're also extending in these indulgent moments with our Mountain Dew Baja Blast, you know, bringing some newness there and some exciting flavors. I tell you, we're launching Pepsi's 125th anniversary uh, with a new iconic logo and package. We're doubling down on a new formulation that we you know, rolled out this year with Pepsi Zero 
the zero portfolio is growing four to five times faster than the category. And, you know, from an innovation perspective, we're also doubling down on what we call our pet positive packaging, which is going to be more sustainable for the environment. And uh, I think we're rolling some things out now, and I think you'll see a lot more of that coming in 2024. And then I'd say we have, you know, some very new innovative marketing campaigns and activations that are going to be coming soon to engage that consumer in a different way uh, where we see that consumer going. And Chad, my personal favorite on that list is, of course, Gatorade water, which I cannot wait to try. I remember fondly sitting in Chuck Maniscalco's office back in 2008, discussing when water would be started up. And that's, of course, 15 years ago, being um, one of the alums of PepsiCo, which, by the way, I learned a ton from. So let me remind our audience that I'm speaking with Chad Matthews, Chief Commercial Officer of PepsiCo Beverages North America. My very next question for you is close to my heart, an area that I've spent most of my career in, which is on the selling side of the fence. So um, I'd love to know, of course, Chad, while I ask you this question, some things are obvious. The question is, how do you evaluate success for your sales teams? Obviously, the top line and bottom line are a given, but what are those intangibles you look for? What are those character traits you look for in salespeople? And then how do you personally get involved in championing the success? success not just as PBNA, but exporting down to the Fritos of the world and the Gatorades and the Quakers of the world. I think you mentioned it, Shree. You know, we clearly have metrics and KPIs, key performance indicators that we look at every week. However, I think the clear evaluation comes from our customers. Our retail partners' feedback matters. You know, we've ranked number one in the Kantar rankings for seven years in a row. And we also have what we call joint business plans. These are annual plans that we engage uh, with our retail partners that really these plans, we keep the score on what we said we're going to do together. And then we also track throughout the year. And I tell you, this is one of the scorecards that matters most on how we're doing. Are we meeting our retail partners' expectations? And I'd say another one would be also, you know, wanting to be that growth engine for our retail partners. I'd say growing faster than the category and the total store is something that we aim to do. So we have discussions all the time on enabling success. You know, if there's any type of roadblocks in the way, I'd tell you, we try to enable our teams by rolling out new technology to simplify the roles and responsibilities. And we also, you know, customize our commercial agenda all the times to help our team succeed. So, you know, I'd, I'd tell you that those are the main areas of how we would grade ourselves uh, when it comes down to, are we performing at the expectations that we set out at the beginning of the year? So Chad. We live in a very omni-channel world, and obviously the customers that you deal with, the national accounts in particular, are all getting involved in that world and have all decided that they're media companies. They have tremendous audiences. They have incredibly powerful and rich customer transaction data. So they're starting to lean into brands as mechanisms to reach their customers up and down the funnel. My question to you is how important is content marketing and retail media in the customer ecosystem of joint business planning and the like, which you've just described? Omnichannel, it continues to be sticky with the consumer. We all saw it accelerate through COVID and it continues to accelerate after COVID. And so we aim to continually evolve on the content marketing with the campaigns, new innovative ways to help our retailers grow. When you talk about retail media networks, those have exploded. And I would tell you, you know, most retailers with any scale have implemented retail media networks. 
And we really see it as a key way to continue to engage the consumer along the omni-channel path to purchase. And it's just a great way to get targeted on how we engage the consumers and build out our new brands. And, you know, there's a lot of things we're doing to work with our retail partners. We have, um, it's called ROI. It's a, you know, return on investment on performance on a retail media network. So we work collaboratively back and forth. And there's a lot of learnings because, you know, retail media networks are fairly new. And there's a lot of learnings on what works, what doesn't. We continue to optimize and find new and better ways to target consumers with that rich data set that our retail partners have. So, Chad, um, let me follow up a little bit on the retail media. I was at the Cagney conference down in Boca Raton this year, and I was virtually the year before. The year before, I asked the CEO of a very large consumer packaged goods company how they were adjusting their marketing budget to accommodate retail media. And I think he looked at me like a deer in the headlights. Fast forward a year and he led his presentation at Cagney talking about retail media. I'm not saying that there was a causal relationship. I think I was more of a carry in the coal mine. So obviously it's getting to be a big decision. It's moving from shopper marketing line items to the CMO, even sometimes the board of directors. Like, how do you think about coordinating all the asks and everything and making sure to the point you made that you're making judicious investments that are really helping reach consumers, helping them make better decisions, but also being fiscally responsible to your organization. There must be a lot of work that's going on in collaboration between sales, marketing, media, and other organizations. It absolutely is. We look at it really end to end. We look at you know our productivity agenda and, and where are there points in time that we can reinvest costs that are you know things that we can take out of the system. We look at Overall, media spend, where are we getting the best return on that spend? And we're willing to adjust and pivot to you know, different areas of where we're getting the best return on that spend. There's clearly, I have a lot of conversations with our chief marketing officer, there's clearly top of the funnel type of media that we want to continue to build our brands at the highest level. But, you know, as you get towards the bottom of that funnel, you know, we really do want to get targeted with these consumers. There's really efficient ways to do that with great, you know, data that our retailers have. So we look at trade-offs all the time. We look at trade-offs between our promotions and productivity between, you know, the top of the funnel media. Do we need to shift some to the bottom? So we look at this end-to-end to figure out how do we leverage the total budget that we have and how do we parse that budget into the best returns? And a lot of that, you know, will go into different investments that we need to grow our business holistically. And a lot of that has been, you know, shifted into retail media networks to support our retail partners and help grow our brands. And Chad, that very conversation on retail media leads me to the world of trends. And some of the biggest words in those trends today in our industry is artificial intelligence and ML machine learning. And uh, needless to say, AI, tech, and automation play a huge role in today's world of CPG and retail as we transform. Uh, How are you personally staying connected with these trends? How do you encourage it within PBNA and through PepsiCo? And how do you bring it to your retail partners as well? Yeah, so we're doing a lot in this space. I would tell you PepsiCo is in the middle of the digital transformation. That's really going to touch almost every faucet of our business. It's going to be 
AI powered systems that were reshaping how we plan, how we make, how we move, and how we sell and deliver our products. So we are investing in this space very rapidly. And um, I would tell you, there's a lot of things we know that works. And you can go to the basics of you know, forecasting and looking at end to end from procurement to all the way to end store and you know how AI can support that. But I would tell you, we're in the midst of this digital transformation, leveraging AI in all the ways that we know today and then what we think will happen in the future to change our business. It'd be, I would say, irresponsible not to understand the capabilities of AI and use it in a responsible way to figure out how you take your business to the next level. You know, I would tell you from your question regarding our retail partners, you know, one way we're taking AI is we're we're starting to pilot and test AI through our revenue management strategy. So we're building up capabilities and we're looking at how do we use AI to get better predictability and better effectiveness and to meet the goals, not only of PepsiCo, but then also our retail partners from a promotional and pricing standpoint. So more to come there, but, but that, that's one space that we're starting to dive into. And then Chad, from a personal learning standpoint, are you primarily getting a lot of this learning from articles, conversations, or is it uh, industry conferences like Grocery Shop? You know, we take all external perspectives for sure. And then we have CIOs in the company that uh, obviously are the experts in this territory to figure out, you know, what can we use? How does it tie into our current IT systems? And, you know, how do you change these platforms to use AI in a different way? So I would tell you it's both external as a grocery shop, as an example, but then also a lot of internal work that we do as well. I'll close this out. Thank you. This is great, Chad. I'll close this conversation out with some would call it the uh, forward-looking question. To some degree, I also call it what still keeps you up at night question. And and thinking about, we talked about AI, but what are some of the other trends or concerns? You know, it's really hard for us to sit here and talk about measuring performance against last year or the year before or even the year before that, because it's all been kind of crazy. So where do you spend your time thinking about making sure your organization is ready for the future? Yeah, I'll just build a little bit on some of the trends with AI. You know, we just talked about it, but it's when you think about a trend overall, it's going to reshape the way we live. And it's it's disruptive with a lot of tension around it. So I would tell you, AI is becoming more human-like. And I think it's going to allow us to be more seamless, you know, interactions once these AI-powered tools are, are developed with consumers. And I think it's going to change the landscape of how consumers interact, I would tell you, with our retail partners, but also, you know, with our brands. You know, sustainability is, I would tell you, a trend, but there's new aspects of it, you know, when you think about zero waste and environmental and social consciousness, it's increasing and it's just going to become more important, specifically in the categories we play in, and it's going to make a material difference. I would also talk about a little bit what I would say new age working. You think about the environment, everybody home. You know, a lot of organizations have gone back to, you know, sometime in the office, if not all the time in the office. And, you know, I think there's going to be this kind of healthful work perks that supplement approach to daily life, uh, these wellness packages, benefits, you know, that I think it's going to really make both in office and working from home part of a healthier lifestyle. And I think we have to think through that. The consumer we talked about it is is changing. So I think we have to, you know, really have the consumer top of mind with us and 
you know, they, they like to treat themselves, but I think with just a little less disposable income, I think they would want to do is going to require some more trade-offs with some of the economic pressures. And I think we have to think through that. And also, I think lifestyles are getting busier. They're always busy and we always talk about this, but I think from going from a work from home environment to back to the office, I think there's going to be less time uh, for people. And I think we need to look at how they prioritize and balance work, school, home. And what are those trade-offs being mobile versus food service versus in traditional retail? So I think we think a lot about the mobility and the consumer's preference of, of how they're going to have to balance their lifestyle going forward. You know, a couple other thoughts, elevated experiences. I think consumers, they're going to continue to find ways. You've seen this explosion of growth of travel. And, you know, I think that's going to be a little bit of a pinch point with what I mentioned with disposable income. But I think they're also going to find a way to get those elevated experiences without breaking the bank. Uh, I think these experiences are going to continue to happen, just probably more in a thrifty way. And once again, those are things that, that you have to think about how that's going to be applicable to your business. And then I, I, th I think the final one I'd mention is probably just energy being an asset. I think consumers continue to engage on how they're managing their energy, their mood levels. Uh, you think about all these tracking applications that are out there, these apps that are out there. There's slow release energy foods, beverages. I think they're all here to stay. And I think when you think about that trend that, that's going to continue is, you know, how do you play in that, that space more aggressively? So I, I think it all still wraps around the consumer. And I think it's these macro trends. I think they're the micro trends. And I think we, I spend a lot of time understanding those trends and guiding the organization if it's innovation, if it's innovation, if it's productivity, if it's, you know, food service, if it's, you know, retail partners, how do you build programs and plans that help, you know, meet those consumer needs on where they're at and where they're going? Thank you so much for that, Chad. One of the exciting things I heard you say there was you guys are looking at what work from home does uh, combined with mobility. And it's just uh, good to know that someone's acknowledging that, hey, it's important to look at work from home because the world has changed in the last three years. And we take for granted that while work from home gives a happier lifestyle, mobility might have significantly changed in the process. And um, evaluating that is a very good thing. So let me remind our audience that you can find all of our content by simply going to the URL cpgguys.com. And if you think your company has some top leadership to contribute to our community, just drop us an email at contact at cpgguys.com and then you can join us on the podcast perhaps. Don't forget to drop us a rating at cpgguys.com on the navigation bar up top. Why I ask you for that is so that you can tell us if we're having the proper conversations as we continue this journey of education in the CPG and retail industry. Thank you to our 26,000 plus followers on LinkedIn. Without you, this podcast doesn't exist. Peter and I and Brian know this is a big number and we thank you for all the messages you send us and your viewpoints on the discussions we have. Chad, thank you for making time for us this afternoon, being here on the podcast, committing, and actually inspiring others to want to know and listen to everything you had to say. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me. This was great. Peter, always a pleasure doing this with you, but this is that section where we ask you to summarize what do we learn today. Yeah, Shri, this is a great conversation. Some terrific lessons from Chad's career. Uh, you want to be a good leader. Remember, it's not about you. It's about them. And you need to think about as you're making decisions, 
to cut through the clutter and take calculated risks on things that are meaningful in terms of the outcomes that they can produce. Uh, don't settle for the status quo. Always do the right thing, not the popular thing. Uh, be authentic and above all, have fun while you're doing it. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, then you're probably not in the right business. Uh, you and I love what we do here on the podcast. And that's, I think, why we make it as successful as it's been. From the standpoint of surrounding yourself with great talent, make sure that they have the spirit of inclusivity, that they're inspirational, they have agility towards change, and they tend to be very provocative in terms of their thought leadership. And to that end, making sure that you're curious to really grow your knowledge outside of maybe what your day-to-day -day job responsibility is, because it's an end-to-end -end kind of solution that they're trying to deliver. Chad also shared with us, PepsiCo is a very consumer-centric business. Uh, you know, we talked about the fact that we'd had Kate Garner on, and she had talked about their data insights tool, PepBiz, which is one of the most robust consumer insights platforms, proprietary tools that's been developed by CPG manufacturers. But at the same time, they want to make sure they're building strong brands that resonate with those consumers. And building strong brands at the heart of it is this concept of innovation, right? Innovation for products that ultimately deliver satisfaction and value. And value is an interesting term because value to some people is about price. But to a lot of people, it's not about price. It's about serving the occasion serving a lot of other things that drive value for what's important to them. And it's important that that their portfolio and their go-to-market strategy reflects that. And, and at the end of the day, there are so many things that can go wrong. And that's why executional excellence is at the heart of how he's trying to run the beverages division. Around innovation, heard some great ones. You and I are eagerly anticipating Gatorade Water. Of course, uh, the Mountain Dew franchise is just iconic in terms of its – think back to the time you and I were at PepsiCo and as they started to move from – I remember the first innovation was Code Red, and then all of a sudden the floodgates opened, and I can't tell you how many different iterations of Mountain Dew, the Breakfast Dew, all of the different options that are there. Obviously, the 125th anniversary packaging refresh. And sure, remember when we were at PepsiCo and they launched Pepsi Zero? I mean, that was just some of the brands that were there. Phenomenal, phenomenal success. And of course, I loved hearing about making sure that there's a concern around the packaging as being as most possibly sustainable as possible. It's an evolution, but the fact that they're on that journey is quite inspiring. And success beyond just the typical above-the-line, below-the-line measures, is very much focused on excellent customer feedback, both in terms of how they build and manage their joint business plans, but also making mention of the fact, something you and I talk about, the remarkable seven-year run that PepsiCo has experienced in being ranked first in the Kantar Power Ranking. They also want to be a growth engine for their customers. And that's why it's very important for them. Those are the success metrics. And, you know, we talked a little bit about omni-channel, retail media networks being a core focus, and they need to be judicious and uh, with their marketing investment. And as these media networks have appeared, it's, it's all hands on deck, the marketing organization, sales organization, shopper marketing, all about making sure that they're delivering 
messages to consumers up and down the funnel, and they're doing so in a cost-effective manner. And lastly, the trends that Chad has top of mind keep him up at night beyond just the AI component that we talked in detail about, making sure that the digital transformation going on in the organization around planning, making, moving, and selling their products requires working in tandem with a lot of different organizations in the company, the supply chain, the revenue side. And AI is going to be a, a critical enabler for that going forward. And lastly, the trends I mentioned that are keeping him up at night. How do we become more committed to zero waste? The new ways of working with people working at home, people working in the office, what's the right balance? How do we promote health and wellness? Staying close to customer sentiment or consumer sentiment to make sure your brands are relevant. Solving the value equation for all different types of consumers and elevating the customer experience and recognizing, lastly, that energy is an asset for humans and how do they tap into that and make sure that everybody has the energy to do their best possible work. That's my summary, Shri. Well done, Peter. That's a great summary. And um, I actually have fond memories, speaking of innovation and why Gatorade Water, I was part of the Aquafina launch team prior to Y2K. Now that feels like a long time ago, but it just feels like yesterday. I actually remember standing at Bryant Park, handing out samples of the first made Aquafina water way back to consumers. That's how our love affair, yours and mine, goes for PepsiCo. Chad, Peter, thanks to both of you for making time, joining me on this episode of the CPG Guys. That's a wrap with a quick reminder that we had Kate Garner from PepsiCo back in November as part of the Women's Month. Do go back and take a listen if you already haven't. See you soon. Content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.